It is a good day. A day when we can gather as a church and feel the blessings of God. This morning, we're going to continue on in our... uh, I'm almost hesitant to call this a series sometimes, but the series of sermons entitled, What I Want to Talk About. If you're visiting with us today, glad to have you. Um, We're not really sure when this series is going to end. I keep finding things I want to talk about. So far... No one's left in the middle of something I wanted to talk about. I consider that a victory. This morning I'd like to pick up a little bit more from what we talked about last week, and that is keeping the main things the main things. Trying to keep the main things the main things. Last week we talked about the main practices What are the main things that we're supposed to be involved in? What are the main practices of Christianity? Prayer, Bible reading, and fellowship. The goal of Christianity is that we develop a relationship with God. That we begin to know Him, understand Him, and trust Him. That's the goal of Christianity. We we get a lot of mixed up ideas about what the goal of Christianity is. Sometimes we think that the goal of Christianity is for me to look really good. For me to get my stuff so together that people are ready for me to be translated. That people are begging God for me to be translated. Because <laughs> we're making them all look so bad. It's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is that I get to know God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Like you're having a conversation with a friend. Bible reading, well that's reading his autobiography. That's reading his book. God took the time to write a book. He wanted us to read it so we would get to know a little bit about it. Fellowship is about hanging around with the people who follow after God. You know, you are very much influenced by the people you spend your time with. Uh, Mothers and fathers have been told this story by grandmothers and grandfathers a lot. You tell me who your children are hanging around with, and I'll tell you who your children are becoming. Right? You know it for yourself. Who do you hang around with at work? Do you hang around with the grumpy people? Guess what? Do you hang around with the people who are happy about what's going on? Do you hang around with the sports fanatics? Do you hang around with the work fanatics? Who you hang around with shapes who you are. Fellowshipping with believers helps you be a stronger believer. It helps to get you through those difficult patches when you're wandering off or attempting to do something you know you shouldn't be doing. It helps you get through those difficult times when life just throws you everything in a mess. And you're trying to figure it out. Prayer, Bible reading, and and fellowship, those are connection points between you and I and God. Those help us to develop the relationship with God. That was his plan from the beginning. Got broken in the garden. It's getting restored over time. Until that time when we finally meet him. Um, Matthew 6, Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Everything else will be added. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the rest will be added by God. All the rest is in his hands. So as we begin today, 
I wanted to talk about some of those elements. What are some of the things? What is he talking about when he says, what am I talking about when I talk about main things in Christianity? Um, Last week I told you there are a lot of ancillary things, and we spend a lot of time focusing on ancillary things. Um, Back in the 70s, back in the 70s, boys had long hair and girls had short skirts. And people spent a lot of time talking about length, the length of hair, the length of skirt. How short should the skirt be before it's inappropriate? How long should the hair be before it's inappropriate? We spent a lot of time talking about those things to kids who didn't know Jesus. And if you didn't know Jesus, it was just some kind of crazy person's rule. Instead of introducing them to Jesus and talking about the implications of that. Today, it seems like we've gotten into a lot of discussions about what a woman should do, what a woman can't do. We've gotten into a lot of discussions about what you eat. Those are ancillary issues. Those are not core subjects. We're wasting a lot of time and energy on non-core issues. What are the core things? What are the main things? That's what I'd like to start opening up a little bit today. And I want to talk about uh, Mary. What we could learn from Mary. I almost put what we could learn from Mary's profession. But I decided that probably wouldn't be a word I'd want to put up on the screen. What we could learn from Mary. Jesus said of Mary in one setting, Mary has chosen the better thing. Depending on your translation, sometimes it says Mary has chosen the right thing or even the best thing. Mary has chosen something that we should maybe be thinking about choosing. You may remember the story. It happened as they went. By the way, this is Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bible with you. Now, it happened as they went. Who's the they? Who do you think the they is that are winting? Jesus and his disciples, they are winting. It happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So when Jesus comes, who's with him? Twelve hungry men. Okay? We believe that John may have been in the neighborhood of between 16 and 20. So at least where John is concerned, if you've ever seen a, a, a teenage boy eat... Imagine what it's like to invite Jesus and his buddies over for the evening, okay? You kind of have to have a plan, or you at least have to have a well-stocked refrigerator. You've got to be ready for these guys, because when these guys show up, it's serious. Now, they have just walked up from Jericho. So Jericho is down at the lowest point on earth, down near the Dead Sea, and they walked up. It's between a 16 and 18 mile hike, depending on who you talk to, which probably means depending on which route you take, up from there to Bethany. So they've gone up all day long to reach Bethany. They've gone probably about 2,500 feet over 18 miles. If you had hiked 18 miles and gone about 2,500 feet in elevation, what would your state be? Hungry, tired, sweaty, thirsty, dusty, smelly. And you can go through a whole list, right? These are the guys who are showing up at the house. Jesus and his 12 disciples who have just hiked all day long up the hill. 
not on a nice path, not on a nice road. They didn't hitch a ride in a bus. They walked the whole thing. They probably walked the whole thing in sandals since closed shoes were a very unusual thing. So they're going to come tromping in your house. Now, what is the first thing that you do in a Jewish household at this time, at this time period when someone comes to your home? You wash their feet. So probably what happened in this setting, we know that Jesus didn't get his feet washed when he went over to Simon's house, which is in the same neighborhood. But in this setting, being that Martha is inviting them in, she is probably seeing them coming down the road saying to her brother and her sister, get some basins, get some towels. All 13 of them are coming down the road. And when they run in to come into the house, they wash their feet, which helps relieve a little bit of the dust from the road and therefore from the house, by the way. And... It helps relieve a little bit of the soreness in the feet from hiking all that distance. Gives them a little bit of a respite. Gives them a little bit of a break. They sit down. They have their feet washed. And what would normally then happen is you would gather in a room from the house. Now, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus must have a fairly large house. Houses didn't usually have space for this many people. So this is a fairly large house. It's probably maybe twice the size of a normal house in that period. And so you could gather a large group in that house. Now, you have Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And then you have the 13 guys. So how many people are over for dinner that night? 16 folks. Does this feel like Thanksgiving at your house? When Thanksgiving is happening at your house, what happens where your preparation goes? What happens with you when you start thinking about the food? What's the big question on Thanksgiving when you're preparing the food? I hope there is enough, right? That's why we usually have too much, because everybody's hoping there's enough. And so rather than have too little, we go over the top and have more than we need. So I just wanted to set the stage for you a little bit, because Martha's going to get short shrift in this story, but I want you to give her a reason. I want you to understand her reason for worry, right? She has just had those guys we just described walk into her house, okay? She has just had those guys in her house. She said she had, and she had a sister called Mary who also, where did she do? Sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Martha invites a big crowd of people over to her house. What does her sister do? Jumps right in and helps. Nope. She sits down at Jesus' feet and listens to every word he has to say. Now, How do you feel about this? There are passages in the Bible that always throw me, and this is one of them. Because honestly, the hero of this story to me is Martha. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but I look at this story and I say, of course, somebody's got to be in the kitchen. There are 13 guests at your table tonight. What are you going to do for these guys? Are you going to say, hey, nice to see you. Uh, There's a burger place around the corner. Here's some popcorn and apples, one of my least favorite things to eat. (laughs) First time I went to a Seventh-day Adventist house on a Saturday night, and they said there will be food, and I walked in, they had popcorn and apples. My question was, where's the food? (laughs) I don't mind popcorn and apples. It's just not a meal. (laughs) William... So if you invite me over on a Saturday night, (laughs) nachos will work, lots of pizza will work, lots of things will work, 
Popcorn and apples? I'm going out to eat afterwards. William Barclay, in his commentary on this passage, writes this little poem. Lord of all the pots and pans and things, since I've no time to be a saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawn light or storming heaven's gate, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. To me, that's Martha. That's, Lord, somebody has to take care of these guys. There's a whole, you don't just come by yourself. You bring those guys with you. And those guys can eat. And they're always hungry. You can show up here after a meal at someone's house and they'll still want to eat, Lord. And Mary sat by Jesus' feet and heard his words. Is Mary choosing a good thing? Yeah. It's a very good thing he's choosing. She's, she's choosing. It's an awesome thing she's choosing. Let's keep reading. But Martha was distracted. Would you be? Martha was distracted with much serving. So here's Martha. The disciples come in. Martha goes in the kitchen. She starts preparing stuff, and she's bringing stuff out for them to eat. She's back in, and she's preparing stuff. She's bringing stuff out to eat, and she's going back in the kitchen, and she's bringing more stuff out to eat. She does not have a microwave. She probably had to put some wood on the fire in order to start this deal. She's almost camping in the kitchen. If there wasn't a roof over her head, we'd call it camping. And she's bringing food and bringing food. She's distracted with much serving And she approached him. Who's the him? Jesus. And she said to Jesus, Lord, do you not care? You ever thrown that phrase at Jesus? Aren't you paying any attention here? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? (laughs) And so this is how this goes. So you got the crowd sitting here in these first two rows. And there on the end is sweet little Mary looking up cherub-like at Jesus. And Martha's coming back and forth, feeding people, back and forth, feeding people. And she finally has had enough. She goes, Lord, don't you care that she has left me to serve all by myself? Tell her to help me. Which means, I've tried telling her to help me, and she's not doing it. I've dropped all the hints I can. Lazarus has probably encouraged her to go help me in the kitchen, and she has not left her post. Right there, sitting and listening. Tell her to come and help me. Jesus answered, Martha, Martha. Watch when Jesus repeats the names. It's, there's, a, there's a sense of uh, concern, maybe a, almost pity, almost a man you don't understand. You don't get it. Simon, Simon. Martha, Martha. This is a statement about Martha not understanding what's going on. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now, what do you know about Martha's personality from the story? She's a doer. She is, somebody said she's a choleric. She's a person who's going to have a list and she's going to check off all her lists, right? She's going to get the stuff done. I love these people. These are the people who get stuff done around here. 
It's true. These are folks who have a servant's heart and a list to go along with it. There are lots of us who have servant's hearts, but we don't have a list. In fact, we don't know where the list is. We had a list once, but we lost it. Probably in some pants that one of the other person took out before they put it in the washing machine. She has a servant's heart, and she has a checklist. She's going to get everything done. Martha is worried about a lot of things. Yeah, because there's a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff to be done. Ever feel like this? Like your life has been overwhelmed by 13 hungry disciples all of a sudden? People have just flown into your house and it's just like everything's happening at once. Your job is going crazy. Your boss thinks you can do the work of seven people. And so he's given it all to you. And you're sitting out, you're sitting down at your desk working saying, Lord, don't you care? He's given me the work of seven people. Look at him sitting over there in his chair doing nothing. Reading the paper. Ever feel like this is going on in your house? They're the only one cleaning up after the masses who flow through. This is a place where Jesus comes fairly often. Jesus comes to Martha and Mary's house fairly often. This is not a new experience to them. This is not a new experience to Martha. This is probably not a new description of Martha for Jesus. This is probably not a new observation of Martha for Jesus. Jesus has been in Martha's house multiple times. And Jesus is saying, Martha, this is my 10th visit to your house. And you've never heard an entire story that I was telling. Martha, this is the 10th time I've been to your house. And you've never sat down long enough to know why I was here. I know you care about me. I know you love me. You show me by pouring food on my plate. I know by your mashed potatoes that you love me. But you need to know I love you. You need to understand that I care about you. You need to sit down for a minute and just listen to how much I care about you. One thing is needed. Now, scholars argue about this phrase. Scholars argue, well, Jesus may have been just saying, only bring one plate. All we need is one plate. To which Martha would have said, there are 13 of you. I don't have any plates that big. Or maybe he was just saying, just bring one kind of dish, one kind of food. You know, give these guys a bag of chips. They'll be fine. That's all I feed them on the road. I think he is actually comparing her busyness, her confusion, her lifestyle choices with her sisters. Now, if we know this Mary, if we, if we think we know this Mary, but if we do know who she is, her life has been a demonstration of how much Jesus loves her. If this is, in fact, Mary Magdalene, if this is, in fact, the woman caught in adultery, we believe this may, these may all be the same person. Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, Mary Magdalene, and the woman caught in adultery may all be the same person. It says of Mary Magdalene that seven demons were cast out of her. Would you be happy to see the guy who cast seven demons out of you? 
would he be a high priority on your list of people to spend time with? Yeah, I think that would be true for me too. If you had been the woman caught in adultery and been thrown down in front of the Pharisee, by the Pharisees in front of Jesus, and they asked that you be killed, and he said, I'm not accusing you, where are your accusers? Would that, would that soften your heart toward him? Would that make you want to focus some attention on him? I think it would. I think it would. It's not that Martha hasn't made good choices. She's made good choices. She has a, fa- she has a house full of people. Somebody has to take care of this. But Mary has made a better choice. And Jesus is simply saying, you can put off feeding us to listen. You can put off feeding us and taking care of the the things that need to be done around the house today to stop and listen. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. And then he says... Basically, I'm not going to take it away from her. Your sister is sitting here listening to, listen carefully, listening to the only eternal thing happening here. Your sister is here paying attention to the only eternally impactful thing that is happening here. Dishes will come and go. People will come and go in your house. But there are eternal things that happen once in a while. Be aware. Be a, 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 have your eyes open for those things when they happen. Be there when they happen. Be present when God shows up. Be connected when God shows up. Look for Him. He wants to be in your presence. He wants you to catch it. He wants you to see the things that are of the kingdom. He wants you to seek the things that are of the kingdom. Look at that word seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. Martha, I know you have 16 mouths to feed tonight. I know that that's stressing you out. I know that's breaking your heart. I know that's breaking your back. And I know the fact that your sister's not helping you is killing you. You're angry at her. You're frustrated at her. You're distracted by all the things that need to be done. And you're missing the point. I'm sitting here in your living room. The God of the universe is on your couch. And you're missing it. The Pharisees are so busy trying to do the right thing to make God happy with them that when God walks by, walks in the midst of them, speaks to them, they miss Him completely. We get so busy that God, when He reaches out to us, is completely oblivious to us. We don't even know He's there. He can walk by, stand in our living room, sit on our couch next to us, and shout His name, and we miss it. Why? Because we've got our headphones on and our eyes glued to something else. We're nosing a book when we're not doing something else. We've got a list of things we're trying to accomplish. I have more things to do than I can do every single day. Is that true of you? I have more things to get done than I can get done on every single day. I only in the last, what honey, year, six months, stopped taking my computer home at night. You know why I stopped taking my computer home at night? Because I didn't stop working when I took my computer home at night. And some of you have suffered the problem of my not getting your email right away. It just wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a healthy thing. Because I would check my email three or four or five times at night after I'd been here till 8 or 9 o'clock. 
flipping to check, see if you'd sent me something. See if there was something I needed to do. We all have very busy lives. I mean, fourth graders have busy lives in America. We have filled our lives so full of things that there's no room for seeking the kingdom. We've so filled our lives with work and worry that there's no room for seeking after the king. We have so filled our lives with things to do and boxes to check that we don't even see him when the king comes seeking us. You know, the Mary Martha story still bugs me. I think Martha needed to get some stuff done. I think the priorities that she had were okay, but I... I just have to face the facts that God was sitting on her couch and she was worrying about food. I love food. I love hospitality. I love coming to someone's home or having someone come to my house and have that that feeling of fellowship and connectedness and family. But there are priorities even then. Which would you rather be? A little extra hungry or miss the meal completely? Or miss Jesus sitting on your couch? See, that's the big thing here. That's the big story here. Martha's not bad. She's not done anything wrong or bad. She's just missed the best. The best thing, the main thing. She's wandered about doing ancillary things, important, significant things, but ancillary, not not central to the issues of life. It's so easy. I get get these things from the the 401k guy at work, and he sends me this stuff and says, hey, here's how much money you lost this month. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to retire. I got like 15, 20, 30, 40. I don't know how many years I'm going to wait until I retire. I might die in the pulpit. I get a paycheck that week that way. But all of a sudden, something I didn't know about yesterday has got me worried today and I've got to put it on my list of things to think about and worry about. I have an eternal retirement all kind of squared away. I'd like my earthly retirement to go okay. But the eternal one is the one that's most significant, Right? It's not a matter of good versus bad. It's a matter of good versus best. It's a matter of the most significant thing you do in the day. We roll out of bed and our feet hit the floor and the list starts to click off in our mind. And what do we do? God, I don't have time for you right now. I got to go. My boss is calling. God, I don't have time for you right now. I'm too busy. God, I don't have time for you right now. I got stuff to do and people to see and... My schedule is all full. I got 24 hours. If you'd give me 25, I could probably use them today. I don't have time for you. Sorry. Just don't have time. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for reading. I don't have time for fellowship. I don't have time. Too busy. I'm too busy making a living. Too busy doing my thing. Too busy filling up cups. Too busy passing out plates. I just don't have time. And oh, by the way, if, 
If you drag some of these other lazy folks who are sitting around reading their Bible over every day to my house, I could use some help. You see, Jesus is not saying that Martha's doing bad things. He's saying that Mary's doing the best thing. What has Mary really done? She's prioritized Jesus. She's prioritized Jesus. Now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and His promises, hope, confident expectations of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three. The choicest graces. The greatest of these is love. You know how you learn to love like that? You know you're loved like that. You know how you know you're loved like that? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. A half hour or an hour contemplating, considering the cross and what it meant for you and why it was done. Half hour, an hour. Man, I'll take five, 15 minutes if that's all you got. Thinking about what would motivate that toward you. You know, I have a dog. And if I get this ball in my hand, my Labrador Retriever cannot think of anything else in the whole world. This is the only thing that exists in the world when I hold it in my hand. If there's something crazy going on, we have a park that's right behind our house. If there's something crazy going on in the park, somebody's out there, they got another dog and he wants to run after him. If you take the ball and you start moving it around, he will not think of anything else. I think Satan's got a bunch of balls. And we all look like a bunch of Labrador Retrievers. And he's going, and we're going, And we spend all of our time chasing things that in the end won't be important when Jesus is sitting on the couch. The main thing, the first, most supreme main thing is to know Jesus and His love for you. To understand that that's personal, that it's real. And it's all about you. Let's pray. Father Heaven, thank you for your Son. Wow. Thank you for the cross. For your openness and willingness to save the likes of us. For your plan of salvation. for your call on our lives. Father, help us to see you 
to know when you're there, to be aware of the amazing things you're doing, to be connected with who you are, ultimately to understand. Help us all to fully understand that we are loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to break.